Morning, everybody. Welcome to the end of heaven. Heaven's done with today. It's all over. I just want to say it's so good to see everybody in all of their NFL jerseys. We had a lot of people in jerseys uh, today, so thank you. I did not see one Washington Redskins jersey, though I thought that was very unusual. Uh, so, but anyway, welcome all those watching on Grace Live. Uh, I had the opportunity last Sunday, uh, right after church, we drove a couple hours down to see our son. He's a college student, and it was kind of a, a, a quick trip. We hadn't thought a lot of things through, so we went there quick. So we actually stayed with my son. That's what I want you to hear. We actually stayed with my son. And, um, you know, he's a college student living with three other college students, kind of living in a place that three other college students would live. So there's four of them there together. And so we, we actually, we met him and then we met some friends of his and we had dinner and it was really, really late. So we come walking into uh, the little apartment that he stays in very, very late. I think it was, you know, well, for us, it's 11 o'clock at night. So uh, <laughs> very late, three o'clock in the morning. So we walk in about 11 o'clock at night. I remember opening the the door and you know it, it's just chaos there's stuff everywhere right there's pizza boxes with uh, crust and stuff like that and they're just kind of laying all over the place and uh, piles of laundry and just chaos and you know somebody one of his roommates has snakes and you know I'm thinking you know are they in there or are they coming out of there then they had this string they had this long like going through the main traffic area of the entire apartment this big string it's some kind of game i have no idea what the game is he's like oh yeah look at the game i'm like it's stupid because you walk i i was there for less than 24 hours i like took my head off like three different times you know with it because every single time i walk by i walk by this and um we go into his room his mattress it's 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 not on a frame it's on the ground right laundry's piled up to here and uh, the next morning, my wife, Krista, she says, hey, I, I'd, I'd like to make breakfast, breakfast for you, Jonathan. Can I make breakfast? Sure, you know, go ahead. And uh, is the, are the dishes in the dishwasher clean? Because the dishwasher was totally full. And he said, no, uh, we have not had time to run the dishwasher. <laughs> And now you would have thought, you would have thought, he said, you know, we've been really busy the last couple, last couple days. We haven't, we haven't run the, he says, we haven't had time since June, June. She, she said, nobody had the time to push the start button since June, June. So I, what I'm describing to you, man. And I just remember looking at Krista, we walked in, I said, I'm not sure I can do this anymore. I'm not. I'm not sure I can stay here. I don't, I, it's been so long since I've lived this way. Can I possibly live this way again? Now, I want you to contrast that, right, that with, with this. I visited a friend of mine's house not too long ago, and his house is it's, it's right on the bay. It's right on the water, okay? And he's done very well financially. So the house is really quality. You know, like my house. I don't know if your house is like my house. But when I walk in the door and I close the front door, like the whole house shakes. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like boom, 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 boom. Right? The whole house shakes. But not his house. I mean, it's like boom. It's like closing a Mercedes door. It's like boom. Nothing moves. Very high quality. Everything's in its place. Everything's neat. Everything's perfect. Two different places. Here's what I want to say to you today. We learn a lot about somebody by how they live, where they live, and what they live like. Right? And that's what heaven teaches us about God. That's why we're studying heaven. Because when we understand what heaven is like and where heaven will eventually be located, it tells us a lot about God. It gives us a real theology on God. And I think sometimes my own theology throughout the years, growing up in church all my life, was a little bit messed up because there's things I didn't understand. And that's what I want to unpack today. But before I do that, I want to read to you Revelation 21 because the book of Revelation is saturated with heaven. It is the book. It is the heaven. 
heaven book of the Bible, right? So here we go. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared, and so had the sea. Then I saw the new Jerusalem, a holy city, right? A holy city, and what is it doing? It's coming down from God in heaven. It's like a bride dressed, so this big momentous celebration moment, like a bride dressed in her wedding gown, ready to meet her husband. I heard a loud voice shout from the throne. Now, check this part out. God's home is now with his people. He will live with them and they will be his own. Yes, God will make his home among his people. He will wipe all tears from their eyes. There'll be no more death, suffering, crying, or pain. These things, the past are gone forever. Then the one sitting on the throne said, I am making everything new. He didn't say I'm making all new things. He said, I am making everything new. Write down what I've said. My words are true and they can be Trusted. Hey, everybody, it is hard for us to desire or put our hope in or get really excited about something that is vague to us, something that's like not tangible, something that we don't understand. Like the more we understand about something, the more that something is clear, the more we can hope in it the more we can get excited about that thing. Now, there's a lot of philosophies and there's a lot of opinions about heaven. And a lot of those things are pretty vague. They're unclear. It's like, well, I'm not sure. We're going to be floating on clouds. Or whatever. I mean, I'm this. It's, it's just really, really murky. It's really murky. But the view from the book of Revelation is extremely tangible. And there's a reason why. Because God wants us to know what we're getting into. God wants us to understand about this great, magnificent place that he has created for us. And when we understand those things, we can be excited about it. Years ago, I used to, when I would surprise my wife, Krista, with something, I'd get her some kind of gift, surprise her, it'd be like, boom, the total surprise. There was no lead up. There was no clues. It was just like, bam, here it is. And then I read something. I read something. And it said, if you actually begin to drop clues, like little breadcrumbs along the way, it actually makes the excitement and the anticipation and the hope and the fun and the exhilaration so much better. Guys, listen up. Okay. So I began to do that. I began to drop clues and sure enough, it worked. I didn't have to give the whole thing away, but I just give clues. So God's given us a huge clue right here. What's the clue he's given us? Heaven is not some place that we can't imagine. It's not something like, oh, I, I know it's going to be good. I'm not sure what we'll do. I'm not sure what it's going to be like, but boy, it's going to be good. I sure am hoping I'm going to go there because man, it's going to be good. What's it going to be like? I don't know. Well, he tells us right here. We clearly know what it's going to be like because the view from the book of Revelation is totally clear. It says there's a city. And in that city, there's a street, there's a boulevard, like the main fair where they have parades. There's a big boulevard in this city and there's trees and there's a garden. There's music and there's art, which means there's going to be culture and there's going to be commerce. It's coming down. A lot of the view of heaven that I've had, and maybe some of you have it as well, is it's all about escapism. I got to escape this earth. We're going to flee. But actually the exact opposite is said here, everybody. We're not fleeing anywhere. Actually, we're not going up to be with God. God's coming down to be with us, it says. How did I get messed up on that? How did I understand the exact opposite to all of this? Look what uh, Paul Marshall says. This world is our home. We're made to live here. It's been devastated by sin, but God's plan to put it right. Hence, we look forward with joy 
to newly restored bodies and to living in a newly restored heaven and earth. We love this world because it is God's and it will be healed, becoming at last what God intended from the beginning. That's the picture of heaven. That's what Revelation tells us. When we die today, if somebody was to die today and they were to go to heaven, yes, you'd go. You'd go to a temporary heaven. You'd go to a heaven that's somewhere out there. I don't know where it is. I have no idea where heaven is. But what we know clearly from the book of Revelation is we know where it eventually is going to end up and be forever and ever and ever. It's going to join heaven and earth. The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is going to be the culmination of that prayer. Heaven is coming down. It says that God is going to make his home here with us. We're not going to make our home up there with him. You know everything about heaven because you know about this earth. You're familiar with it. You can be very excited about this earth with the mountains and the rivers and the oceans and all the things that we do on this earth except minus all the brokenness, minus all the devastation. What if your physical body and all your relationships and all of nature was perfect the way it was originally designed to be? Look what Randy Alcorn says. Adam was formed from the dust of the earth, forever establishing our connection to the earth. It's a very popular theology that we're going to go, that we're going to escape, that God is going to abandon his plan, his original plan. He's given up on it. He's thrown in the towel on the universe and on creation. We're going to escape. We're going to leave. And it's just going to burn. I heard that for so many years. It's all going to burn. Who cares? Look at, look at this beautiful building. Who cares? It's going to burn. It's going to burn. That was the theology. It's going to burn. Who cares about it's going to burn? Well, obviously God must care. Because he has something different to say. What I find fascinating, everybody, the Bible, listen, the Bible is a series of letters and writings. You have your Bible. If you have it today, it's all nicely wrapped together for you. You got the table of contents. You got the map in the back and it's put together beautifully. That's not the Bible, everybody. The Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years by dozens and dozens of writers with one main theme. 1,500 years, a series of writings. Now think about this. The first two chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, tells us about paradise. Things are perfect. We long for paradise. We long for Eden. We have that. It's in us. It is in us. We long for this first two chapters of the Bible. The last two chapters of the Bible are Revelation chapter 21 and 22, which we're focused on here. And what does it talk about? It talks about the restoration of Eden, that this earth and your body and your relationships and most importantly, your relationship with God is going to be restored, which will then affect every other relationship you have with yourself, with others, and with creation. The lion will lie down with the lamb and there'll be harmony once again with all creation. This is the story that we are told. So if you like to write things down, here's something that's really important to remember that I just wasn't getting, but it was all over the place in the Bible. God is a restorer, not a destroyer. God is a restorer, not a destroyer. It's not, I'm going to burn. It's all going to burn. Look, you read through the Bible and this, this, these words come up all the time. They begin with R-E, re Repent, redeem, renew, restore, regenerate. Re means to return something back to its original condition. That, that is what heaven is. That is what Revelation chapter 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible, all about the restoration, the renewal, not the destruction of his creation, not the destruction, but the renewal. Here's the second thing. God is a redeemer, not a deserter. He is a redeemer. He's not a deserter. 
He's not giving up. He's not abandoning. He's not fleeing away. He had a plan for creation. He didn't look at this universe and now say, you know what? It's all messed up. I'm going to start on over. So I made a point when I read Revelation 21. I'm making everything new, which means an ongoing process. The language speaks of an ongoing process. God does not say, Revelation does not say, I'm making all new things. He says, I'm making everything new. I'm restoring everything back to the condition in what it was originally intended to be. I'm not giving up. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not quitting. God's not a quitter. Do you think God's a quitter? I had a theology for years that God's a quitter. He's a quitter. He's just going to give up. We're going to... Give us some kind of rescue vehicle that comes down and pulls us out of here to someplace else. And all of this is just going to burn. It's going to go away because God's a quitter. God is not a quitter. God is a restorer. He's not a deserter. He's going to restore everything to its original. Now, what does that mean to you personally? Here's what it means to you personally. It's obvious. This theology about God that heaven gives us, that means that God is never going to give up on you. All kinds of people are going to give up on you in your life and it's going to hurt you. But God is never going to give up on you. God is the perfect parent, the perfect father, never going to give up on you. I understand a lot of us don't have, none of us have perfect parents, but some of us have parents that are far from perfect. And when you were going through a tough time or you were making bad decisions, they weren't there for you. But the perfect father and the perfect parent, everybody else could walk away from you and they would never walk away. They would always be there. And that is the image of God. God would never walk away from you. That's what heaven means. We're not going up. He's coming down. He is coming down because he loves you and he will never, 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 never give up on you. Randy Alcorn says this, the earth matters, our bodies matter. Animals and trees matter. Matter matters because God created them and intends them to manifest his glory. Why is heaven the ultimate gift? Because heaven ultimately tells us a lot about who God is. It ultimately tells us a lot about who God is, and it tells us that one day, one day, we will live the life that we've always wanted to live. There is a life, you know it, it's inside of you, it's deep down inside of you, that you desire to live. And the, the view of heaven that Revelation gives us is that one day, one day, we will live that life. Revelation 22, last chapter in the Bible, verse number three, says there's no longer going to be any curse. There's no longer going to be, what is this curse? What is this curse thing? Well, clearly, Genesis 1 and 2, we have paradise. Genesis chapter 3, all of a sudden, there's, there's a brokenness. Selfishness kind of comes in. There's a, there, there, is, there is not a listening to the ways of God. They want to break away from God, right? And also, there's a curse. And so what happens? Four important things happen. Four things happen that devastate our lives. Number one, the relationship with God is broken. And that curse will be lifted They'll be lifted. They'll be in harmony with God. We'll be in harmony with God once again. We will be in harmony with God. We're told that when the relationship with God was broken, the first thing they did was hide from God. They didn't want to be with God anymore. They wanted to hide from God. The next thing we're told is their own relationship with themselves. What if you finally knew yourself for who you're really truly meant to be? Don't you feel sometimes there's a self inside of you? Like, I know, I mean, I really want to be this way, but I'm not, and I'm fighting back and forth. Romans 7, if you want to read it, it's an amazing chapter in the Bible. Paul is going through that whole process for us. Self, so what we see, what happens to them? All of a sudden, when this brokenness takes place, and they're out of harmony with God, all of a sudden they're out of harmony with themselves and they're filled with fear and insecurity and shame and shame. Fear. Wouldn't it be great not to be filled with fear? Wouldn't it be great not to be filled with insecurity? Wouldn't it be great not to be filled with shame? 
Renee Brown, who is like the guru of shame in the United States of America, who's done so much research, says Americans are swimming, swimming, swimming in shame. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had the relationship with ourselves that we always long to have? And thirdly, relationship with others. So what are we told? They hid from each other. They hid from each other. And then when they were with each other, they blamed each other. It was her fault, right? That's what they did. Wouldn't it be great to have a wonderful relationship with other people that's not broken, where that curse is lifted, where you can finally have that relationship? You want to do it. Don't you do things like I do? Like, I want to act a certain way with people. I want to act a certain way. Like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I act that way? What if you finally, finally were able to have that relationship with other people that you were meant to have? And then lastly, nature. We're told very clearly. That nature as well has become corrupted, but there will come a day. The Bible speaks of this. There will come a day when there'll be a harmony with God, a harmony with ourselves, a harmony with others, and a harmony with nature. Because nature itself, we're told in Romans that the, that the earth is groaning, wanting things to be right. And one day, we said, the lion will lie down with the lamb. There'll be a reharmonizing of all of creation. Now, I've talked about this a lot and because uh, I have actually really loved the book. It's a French atheist philosophy professor named Luc Ferre, A Brief History of Thought. I highly recommend it. And this French atheist philosophy professor has done so much at helping me understand what is heaven and what is this salvation that Jesus Christ is presenting to us. And he says in his words, there is no competition that no other philosophy in the entire world talks about a reharmonization of our lives with God, ourselves, others, and nature, where we will live in love that dying is to be feared because we lose all, lose all our love relationships. But actually, Christianity, the promise of Christ, is you're not going to lose your love relationships. That there will be love. That as Jonathan Edwards in his famous sermon says, heaven is a world, a world of love. Everything goes back. Now, we've been talking about water the past couple weeks, and I didn't include the verse this week in Revelation 21, but Revelation 21 talks about water. Revelation 22, last chapter in the Bible, talks about this river going down, right, right through the city. So why the water theme constantly? Here's what water means, and I, I, didn't, I didn't get this, actually, for many years, but here it is. Here's why Jesus talks about water, and the Bible constantly talks about water. Here it is. Water represents everyone your truest, deepest thirst. That thing will truly satisfy you. Now, now, we often, because the book of Revelation begins this way, with seven churches being written, and like they were reaching for different things. Like, this might satisfy me. No, it doesn't work. This might satisfy me. It doesn't work. Don't we do that? We reach for stuff. I, I read this great thing that actually had an impact on my life as far as health goes a number of years ago. It says, you often think you're hungry. But you're not really hungry. You're confused or you're deceived or your body's like playing tricks on you. You're not really hungry. And so I would reach. I'd reach for a candy bar. I'd reach for a peanut butter sandwich. I'd reach for something. I'd fill it up. But actually what you're, what you're craving, what you truly deepest desire is water. You're actually dehydrated. You're not hungry. So before you reach for that cookie, drink a glass of water first. And you might find, I don't need a cookie at all because your body is dehydrated hydrated, but you think, oh, it's going to, and actually you're making yourself unhealthy because you're not actually hungry. You're actually just thirsty because your body craves water. And we do that with God. We think this is going to make me happy. And we do it like, oh, that didn't really satisfy me. So I've got to do it again, but at another level. Do, do you know what I'm saying? And so we reach and we reach and we reach over and over again. G.K. Chesterton said this, every time a man knocks on the door of a brothel, he's looking for God. 
Every time a man knocks on the door of a brothel, he's looking for God. I never understood that quote. I read it years ago. Now I think I get it. Or at least I'm starting to get it. Our truest, deepest desire is the water and only Jesus Christ can bring the satisfaction of that. It's something that I didn't understand. I'm starting to understand. And how we get it deep down in our soul is it begins basically with a prayer. We need God's help. It it begins, right, with a lot of learning and a a consistent effort. But but the actual start, the start in the Bible, and the start clearly for me is when I said, I want to follow you, Jesus. Like, I don't even understand what my deepest desires are, but I need you to teach me and grow me. I want to be one of your disciples. I want to follow you. And that's all over the place in the Scripture, everybody. I mean, we talk a lot about people becoming Christians, but that's not a real biblical term. Like, you only see the word Christian in the Bible three times, and it started as a derogatory term. What the Bible emphasizes hundreds of times, not three times, hundreds of times, is being a follower of Jesus. They were followers of the way. They were disciples. Disciple and follow means the same thing. It means you're following behind. To follow Jesus, this is what we are called to do. And when we do that, we find ourselves in harmony. Now, Jesus Christ spoke one time with crystal clear clarity about eternal life life to really be filled up spiritual spiritual vitality that's what it means in the book of john john 17 3 and he says this now this is eternal life that they know you to know somebody means you're following somebody and christianity for too long in my life i thought to know god meant to know about god right to be a true follower of jesus christ means i believe a b and c Okay, you're good. You believe A, B, and C. But the word know means more than know about. It means to be a follower of Christ. It means to be a disciple of Christ, not just to know about. It means you've experienced and you've wrestled with God and you've walked with God and the ups and the downs and you've learned and you've said from the outset like I did. For me, again, it all started with one prayer. I sincerely want to follow. It was a determined request of God. I want to follow you. Please help me. Like the famous scene with Jesus in the Bible. Jesus says, do you believe to the man who had the son who was in need of healing? He says, I believe. Help my unbelief. I want to follow you. I want to understand what my truest, deepest desires are. And it all began right there. Can you pray that prayer? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Do you keep reaching for candy bars and cookies like I was all the time? Eating them and just finding yourself dissatisfied? Our truest, deepest desire comes from water. We are thirsty. We're not hungry. Now, in the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, there's a city. It's a city of God. And Jesus is the center of that city. And the whole city revolves around Jesus. He's everywhere. He consumes the city. The city. There's really all all of life comes down to two things. There's a city of God and there's a city of self. There's a city of God and there's a city of self. It's the Latin term sarx, S-A-R-X. We're curved in on ourselves. And who will we live for? Will we live for ourselves or will we live for God? Will we live for Jesus Christ? Which one is it? There's a famous story in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, about the Tower of Babel. It was a city, and it says they wanted to make a name for themselves. It was a city of self. And it's contrasting that with the city of Jesus Christ. Here, in Revelation 21 and 22, which city will we live for? Well, it says they, they discovered new de- technology in the Tower of Babel, right? Maybe some of you saw in the movie that Brad Pitt called Babel. That'll help to make it more sense. But anyway, what happens is 
They built this city with this new technology. They had become very smart. And so they built this big tower and they were totally unified around it. But because it was a city built for their own name and a city of self, eventually it all comes toppling down. Because we can't survive. Because true satisfaction happens when we place our trust and our lives revolve around Jesus Christ. G.K. Chesterton said this. And look, it's very hard to get universal agreement on anything. And I'm getting ready to tell you something that there's universal agreement on. Very difficult. We all live in Washington, D.C., right? Very difficult to get universal agreement. Here's what, here's what G.K. says. G.K. says, there's one thing that everybody has agreed on, and that is there's something wrong with humanity. Freud said it. Plato said it. Nietzsche said it. Gandhi said it. Jesus said it. It's very hard to get very different people to all agree on the same thing. There is something very wrong with humanity. Stephen Hawking said it. Stephen Hawking said, we got 1,000 years to get off of this planet because we're all going to kill each other because we are our own biggest enemy, right? Anybody read that before? Anybody? Three people have read that before. Stephen Hawking said, we have a thousand years. So if you have not read the update, his update a few years back said, actually, it's not a thousand. We have 100 years to get off this planet and into outer space because we are our biggest enemy. Lord of the flies, for those of you who've read it. Utopian society that totally melts down. So we're going to outer space because it's going to be safe in outer space. Until this past August, when we had one of our astronauts charged with a crime while they're in space. So we have our first committed crime even in space. Because we're the problem. We need a savior. Somebody who's going to put everything right. Somebody for us to revolve our lives around who is going to cause and tells us, this is my promise to you in heaven. The reharmonization of your lives with God, with yourself, with others, and all of nature, because heaven is coming down, we're not going up. And that is his promise. So the biggest question, everybody, I'm sure, that everybody's had throughout this series, okay, how do I get into heaven? Now, we all know that everybody here in this room is going, and everybody watching on Grace Live is going. How do we know that? Because when people fill out surveys, it's almost 98% believe in heaven and believe they're going, right? The second most likely person, I said this so many times, the second most likely person to go to heaven is who in the world? Throughout history, who's the second most likely person to be there? Does anybody remember? Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa is the second most likely person to be in heaven. Who's the first? You. <laughs> the person filling out the survey is going to be in heaven. So we all know that. So, so we often talk about that person's going to heaven, that person's not going to heaven, they're going to a much worse place. So how do you get it? So here's the most important question. How do you get there? And the message is clear from the Bible. You get there by following Jesus. You follow Jesus and he's going to take you there. And for me, following Jesus began with a very determined, very specific prayer. I want to follow you and I want you to teach me. I want to be your disciple. I want you to guide me because I keep reaching for candy bars and cookies and I, I have a messed up view of my life and of this world and I need you to help me. And for me, that's where it began. And I want to encourage you, if you've never prayed that prayer, that is it. That very specific, determined, gritty prayer. Jesus, I want to be a follower of yours for the rest of my life. I want to repent of building a city of self, which I'm great at doing. And instead, I want to build a city that's revolving around you, Jesus Christ.
Now, a lot of people feel cut off from God, and so I want to speak to something very specific here for just a second. A lot of people feel very, very cut off from God and very cut off from his community. One thing we do know for sure from the scriptures and from the four biographies of the life of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is Jesus had a great concern for outsiders. As a matter of fact, his concern was so strong, so great, that he dealt with tremendous opposition. He took a lot of heat because he welcomed people who were outsiders, tax collectors like Zacchaeus. Like, what are you doing going to have lunch in his house? Samaritans and Gentiles and lepers, the refrain of the Gospels, the refrain of the biographies in the New Testament is he welcomed sinners over and over and over again. He welcomed sinners. He welcomed people who felt cut off, cut off from community. And so we know from story after story in the Bible, we know this for sure is that God wants his community, followers of Christ, to be a place where people don't feel cut off. Now, the sad reality is many people in the LGBTQ community feel cut off from Christian community. If that is you, I want you to contact me. If that is you and you want to engage more in Christian community, my email address is on the screen. Contact me directly. I'm going to talk about how to engage in Christian community. All right. I want to deal with one very specific question here in conclusion, because the question is always, okay, who's going to be in heaven? Is that person going to heaven? Is that a sin? Blah, blah, blah. I want to talk about something specific, and I'm trying to focus you because I'm trying to avoid some emails, okay? I want to talk about what kind of person, do you hear what I just said? What kind, what kind of person will you find in heaven? What kind of person will you find in heaven? Now, I'm sure this series is brought up some questions that you have. There's been some questions. And so we're having a Q&A tonight, the Young Professionals group here at Grace at 6 o'clock tonight at our Boston office at 1031 Vermont Street. Uh, young professionals are people in their 20s or, or, or 30s. If so, if you're still in your 30s like myself, you're, you're, <laughs> you're more than welcome to come. They will check license to make sure. So don't try to sneak in. And I try to, but at 6 o'clock tonight, we're having a Q&A about a lot of stuff because maybe it stirred up some questions for you. Now, there's so many stories about people who get into heaven. I, I couldn't resist. I'm going to at least tell one, all right? And it's about a, a New York City taxi cab driver that was like a maniac on the roads. And one day, he had a preacher with him in his taxi cab. And he was flying through the streets of Manhattan. And lo and behold, he got in a terrible crash. And both the taxi cab driver and the preacher died. And of course, where'd they go? Go to heaven. And they're there at the pearly gates. And who's to meet him at the pearly gates? St. Peter, of course. St. Peter is there to meet him at the pearly gates, and the preacher walks up. He has a huge smile on his face, and he's ready to get in. Here I am, St. Peter. Let's have a big hug. I'm ready to go in, open the pearly gates, and St. Peter says, hold on, wait just a second. You're not coming in. The taxi cab driver's coming in, but you're not coming in. He's like, what? What are you talking about? I've done my whole life. I'm preaching, preaching, preaching your word. And St. Peter said, while you preached, everybody slept. While he drove, everybody prayed. He's coming in. You're not. Okay? I want, to, I want to remind you of something I, I, I said at the very beginning of this. Something I said at the beginning. So it's very specific. It's very specific in Revelation 21. It says, so that God could be with us. Now, that whole thing about being with God and being his presence, it's constant. Start to finish in the Bible. Start to finish. Jesus t- chose 12 disciples that they might be with him. 
with him. That is over and over again in the Bible. That is what heaven is. Heaven is being with God. It's not like we go to a place in heaven where we're away from God. Heaven is for the kind of person who really wants to be with God. And if you don't want to be with God, heaven is going to be a very miserable place. And so I've had to ask myself, am I the kind of person who wants to be with God 100% all the time? Heaven's not the kind of place where like, you can sneak around the corner and smoke a cigarette, okay? It's not going to happen. There's no vague Vegas in heaven. We like Vegas. What you do in Vegas stays in Vegas because you get out of, you know, people that, that you don't want them to see what you're doing, right? You know what I'm saying? You don't want to see what you want to hide from that. There's no Vegas in heaven. There's no corner to sneak around and smoke a cigarette. God inhabits all of heaven. If you're the kind of person that wants to be 100% with God all the, all the time, heaven is going to be a fantastic place for you. Fantastic. I have not always been that person. I haven't, I mean, I've been in church all my life, but I haven't always been that person. I was confused. I was reaching for cookies and candies and thinking all this is going to make me happy. Uh, God, can you stay on the shelf over here because I want to do some over here because this is going to make me happy because you're really boring and this is really good over here. And I realized it wasn't leading me towards happiness and joy and satisfaction. So it's been a real learning experience for me. And it all began with that very determined prayer. I want to follow you and I want you to teach me. I want to understand how I find my true happiness. So my true satisfaction. So are you the kind of person who wants to be, in, be with God all the time? That's the kind of person who's going to be in heaven because he makes it really clear. It's coming down. It's coming down. He's going to be with us. It's going to be with us. Here's what Dallas Willard said. I'm thoroughly convinced that God will let everyone into heaven who in his considered opinion can stand it. Can you, can you stand it? There's something in us, right? So, so when... Things go bad in the Garden of Eden. They hide from God. They hide from each other. They hide from God. They hide from each other. They want to be away. And they want to... I'll never forget the last vacation that we took with my father-in-law. Uh, many people here know Big Russ died about two years ago. Uh, he had dementia. The last vacation we took is uh, we went up to Maine. In my van, uh, my wife, my two kids, my mother-in-law, and my father-in-law, and the dumb dog. And we were all piled in there together. It was total crazy for about 12 hours, okay? But my father-in-law was, you know, he was hilarious, right? So my mother-in-law kept getting on about leaving his seatbelt, like, leave it. And she would, Ross, put it back on. And, you know, so he got to the point, you know, we could see him in the mirror. He would put his little hand over top and he would undo the seatbelt as if she couldn't see. Why? Because that's kind of how we want to live our life with God sometimes, right? Like, don't look. Don't look. I'm going to do this. Are you the kind of person that wants to be with God all the time? Because that's the kind of person who is going to be in heaven. Look what C.S. Lewis said. A heaven for mosquitoes and a hell for men could very conveniently be combined. If you don't want to be with God, if you don't want to be with God, there are going to be a lot of mosquitoes for you in heaven. You're not going to like it. I had to begin to think to myself, am I the kind of person? Jesus, I believe. It says here in Revelation 21, my words are true. You can trust me in this. So, okay. So I know that's where my true satisfaction comes in life by being a follower. So help me. Help me because I haven't always been this way. Teach me. Guide me. I want to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to be your disciple. I skipped this John Henry Newman quote, but I don't want to go back to it. Heaven is not for everyone. It is an acquired taste. Jesus Christ, if you'll follow him, can help you 
achieve the greatest, deepest, most longing in your heart, true satisfaction. I want to be a follower of his. Now, last fill in the blank. We need to commit to a community of hope. This book of Revelation that's so much about heaven, it's calling seven churches to be communities of hope together and to the world, together and to the world. The Bible says we should not forsake the assembling together because we need each other. Look, we do everything better together. Everything's better. If you wanted to kick an addiction, you're doing it better in a group. If you want to get out of debt, it's better in a group. You want to learn something new, it's better in a group. You want to get in shape, it's better in a group. We need people. We need people who are following after the same thing, being a community hope, and we need to spread that hope around, around to others. Now, we're starting groups. We're doing this brand new study next week, and it is going to be fantastic. Whether you're a totally religious person or you're completely irreligious, it has broad appeal. App applies all across the board, and you're going to want to be in groups together to work through this information because it can have a profound effect upon you personally and professionally. You know, we're partners with this church in Atlanta. It's a huge church, and they're the ones that did the book, and they came up with the videos and the app and everything that we're going, we're going to learn. And when they first did this study, they had corporations all around them, corporations all around them that came to them and said, we have heard how phenomenal this is. Can we bring a couple thousand people to you, and you train us in this material? So this has a very, very broad appeal to impact your life personally and professionally. Now, please consider signing up for a group. My group, I've been in in a group for years. It's invaluable, invaluable to me, and we're going to go through this study together. All right, let's conclude the heaven series this way. If you want to get to heaven, it begins by saying, I want to follow you, Jesus, because when you you follow Jesus, that's where he takes us to a reharmonization of everything that we hold near and dear to our hearts. So I want to encourage you. Pray that prayer in a very determined way. Jesus, teach me and guide me and give me that living water so I'll never thirst again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this very unique promise that you've given us. You are promising us, God, everything we had ever hoped for ever dreamed of. For those who are praying that prayer right now, Father, guide, direct, disciple, that each one of us find ourselves in that true place of shalom and harmony with you and others in the world around us. In Christ's name, amen.